Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. To the Money Man episode of the 2nd of March 2023. I'm Money Man Steve May, here with Money Man Luke. How you going? going? How you going, Steve? I'm good, thank you. That's the way. Another fortnight down. Another fortnight down. They're, uh, they're dropping like flies, aren't they, these they, fortnights? Yep. Um, yeah, welcome everyone. And don't forget to mention us to your friends, family, colleagues, um, passers by in the street. Grow. Whoever, grow the movement. The Money Man movement. That's it. Um, Okay, what have the markets been doing the last fortnight? Well, mate, I've been a little bit unprepared, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't, I didn't uh, quite catch um, the Australian, but I think we had the US uh, Dow Jones down about three, uh, was it three percent? Mm-hmm. And the S and P five hundred the same. Mm-hmm. And what was the Aussie doing, Steve? Down about a percent and a half. So it's yeah. been a bit of a depressed fortnight. So if you multiply, if you multiply that by twenty six, mm-hmm. is that our annual? Annual, That's your annual, annual performance. Yeah, annualised performance of negative you know, 39. <laughs> um, you know, the reality, you know, we always have a bit of a chuckle and a, and a bit of, you know, play with it and, you know, the importance of not focusing on those short-term market movements, whether they're up or down or sideways. Um, hmm. It's, you know, zooming out and having a big a look at the bigger picture. Yep. Um, but, you know, again, there's a bit of volatility and, you know, a bit of uncertainty again around interest rates, inflation, um, economics, economy slowing down, um, which shock horror is actually the intention of the interest rate rises. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just interesting to watch markets uh, react and play, you know, as these things play out. Yep. Um, housing markets uh, generally seems to be slowing from what I can hear, mm-hmm. although talking to clients over the course of the last fortnight and months, um, still finding it hard to, to mm. find places Stock. to buy. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, and I, I mean, I'm, you know, just in the local area and, you know, my, my brother's looking at buying in the local area and I'm just still quite shocked at what houses are selling for uh no sorry i'm not shocked um there's definitely not been the the, you know the pullback in prices um that was maybe predicted Hmm. Uh, well yeah not in this regional area anyway i don't know what's happening in sydney or the capital cities and i'm I'm told or or i read that you know sydney's down 15 percent but i don't know i don't know where those those numbers come from but Mm. I think, you know, the sort of stock that we're talking about in that, that category up to a million probably um, is still pretty buoyant. Yeah. Anyway, we're not property gurus. We're not. By any means, and uh, but we'll get our property person on or a property person on again soon yep. to talk about the market, property markets. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about our wins of the fortnight, mm-hmm. as we do now. We're going to talk about some of these, um, or the government and the and superannuation, very topical at the moment. Mm. Everyone wants to yes. know um, what I'm thinking about that, which is interesting. Um, and so we're going to have a bit of a run through that. So that's the you know the three million dollar you know super, super rich in- people you know being taxed more on their superannuation earnings. 
Um, that's part of it. But then there's also um, a consultation paper that the government's put out and uh, talking right. about some certain some things that they may be keen to do in the future. Around the purpose of superannuation, so yeah. enshrining it a little bit further yeah. in law. Yeah. And what does that actually mean? And do, should some of those things perhaps be more newsworthy than the taxing of mm. people? So are you suggesting, Steve, that maybe there's a bit of a smoke screen that's been put up? Maybe. Maybe there is, Luke. Anyway, let's talk about we'll talk about that, and then we'll just have a bit of a, cat, a, a talk generally about sort of um, things to think about around aged care and um, and planning for for future um, needs. Yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. People get older. We're we going to um. I mean, we'll we'll see it all come out shortly. But um, Charlie Munger, who is Warren oh, Buffett's right. business partner, mm-hmm. um, presented. I think it's at the Daily Journal at the AGM. Um, mm-hmm which he, I think he resides as the chairman, I, I believe, um, and he just was talking around active management in f- the funds management space mm-hmm. and, and how, you know, it's quite often a loser's game to, to play in that sphere for a number of reasons. Now, again, Steve and I aren't bagging active managers in that in, in, in saying that, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're saying how hard it is to often find the needle in the haystack and consistently do it. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to talk about it now? All right. Yeah, so, I mean, as you know, Charlie Munger, um, Warren's business partner. Warren um, who? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. Who most people would have heard of. Yes. Um, Now, most people may not have heard of Charlie Munger, or people who listen to the show definitely would have, because I would have been banging on about him. Um, (laughs) But he's an older older gentleman these days, Um, but he is sharp as a tack. Now, he just expressed in the Daily Journal's annual general meeting um, that, you know, that was on the subject of active active management within the funds management, management space, mm-hmm. that the ability to consistently outperform after fees is virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, that's a pretty generalised comment from him. And, you know, we've got to remember that that doesn't factor in a certain time frame. But for people like Charlie and people like Warren... Their investment time horizons are not, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Their investment time horizons are 50 years. So, you know, quite often funds management complexes haven't even been active for periods of 50 years. So they don't even have an ability to um, transpose a a performance history. So, you know, we've got to to bear that in mind. Um, But he was just highlighting that... To consistently outperform, rarely a large proportion of people can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, rarely, rarely r- very rarely can it be done. Um, and so, as a consequence of some of the compounding costs at drag, so you know whether it's fund management fees, that'll often prevent you from outperforming the market mm-hmm. consistently. So, he was just making a case that taking a passive index approach for most people is usually the best course of action Mm -hmm. um he had some pretty damning um comments about the funds management industry which i'm not going to go into well was that was that him commenting that they make a lot of money the active fund managers make make a lot of money, and yes. their client doesn't necessarily. Well, he, is that was, the sort of yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, you know, he, he I think he, 
I'm not quoting him verbatim, but I'm quite sure he called them deluded. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also called basically the inv- <laughs> he's also called the investors that invest into them deluded as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all convinced of their own um, wizardry. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now I'm, I'm you know. We know, Steve, and he knows as well that there are people who can outperform the market because them in their own right have been able to outperform the market within their business ventures consistently. Um, But his point is is that to do it on a large scale, do it consistently and find that person to do it for you is very, very difficult. So, you know, you don't want to be that statistic that ends up on the other side of the fence where you actually are underperforming the market because you've tried to outperform it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my my thoughts around, you know, the normal average mum and dad, middle class, Mm -hmm. yeah, any investor really is that um, just try to get the market or thereabouts um, and not try and play games with it. Keep things uncomplicated and low cost and that will generally pay dividends in the long term. Absolutely. And I think, you know... And if Charlie agrees with me, then... I mean, arguably some, you know, people argue, you know... We'll split hairs on this, but arguably him and Warren are the most successful investors in the world, and so when they have something to say, I think it's very important that you listen. Yeah. Um, and you know, especially for people like us, where they have something to say, um, where they don't have a vested interest, um, and it's coming from a genuine place of concern, then you listen, um, because remember that the funds management industry has a vested interest in making money mm-hmm. off the funds that they manage in the first instance. Now, mm-hmm. you will often be secondary to that um, that um, exploration, mm-hmm. should we say. Now, caveat that with, we know there are active manager, managers out there that can, can we, sorry, we know that there are some people who have the history of outperforming, but it's very difficult to pick them consistently. Yeah, and it's very difficult for them to outperform for the very long periods of time. Yeah, so, so if there's active managers out there that don't hate on me too much, mm. just just <laughs> bear in mind. I know you, I know some of you exist out there that are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generally, the sign, the, you know, the signs that you're looking for when you're looking at an investment manager, you know, a managed fund, um, for instance, there's low fees. You know, that's a pretty good mm-hmm. early indicator mm-hmm. that you're dealing with a fund mm-hmm. manager that's motive is to um, is to serve the client. Um, anyway, we won't we won't bag active managers. No, 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 no. We're, we're, but we're just saying, you know, for the most people, typically a low cost and transparent approach is the best one. Yeah. So, so what? Leading into that, leading off from that. So, what? What do you think gives a person the most value over time? Is it trying to pick the right investment, or is it other things? Like my. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. my view is that it's more around the, the strategy, strategy and what you do and the discipline and the not losing sight of the long-term goals yeah. uh, is so, more important than what you're actually yeah. so, investing uh, 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 in, provided that the investment is of reasonable or to good quality. And that's quite often, but that's quite often a thing we come up against, isn't mm. it, in, a, in our day jobs is, mm. hey, where should I be putting my money? Mm. And that's quite often not the question that should be asked. It's... Mm what should you be doing with your money so yeah. how should you be making contributions how what you know 
what discipline are you what what um you know what characteristics are you building around your money what um you know what methods are you taking to it and then that can often from there that plays into okay where do we park money hmm. um people are too often looking for okay well where do you know I'm going to put money there because it's going to make me money. Well, you know, how does that actually fit into the broader picture? As as we always and continually yeah, bang, on, yeah. bang on about. Yeah, I received an, an email from from a person last week um, saying, "Hey, we've got a got a plan to do to do something, but in the interim, I've got some spare cash, and I've heard about shares. Yeah, and you yeah. can make a bucket load of money out of shares. And which ones do you suggest?" Yeah. So, well, you know. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You put me on the spot, <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, you know, the response is along the lines of, well, yeah, you can possibly make a bucket load of money out of shares if you invest in a disciplined manner for the long term. Mm. But if you expect that you're going to drop, you know, five grand in and it's going to make a bucket load of money by next week, yeah, it's a big risk. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but, but. Getting back to your point, that's often what people think financial planners do is find the best return or the best investment, and that's not that's not really what it's about. No. Now, we want we want good quality investments, mm-hmm. but we want people to invest in things that are going to have them reach their goals. Yeah, and 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 it's not the investment um, that is core to that. It's quite often the strategy. Strategy. Yeah. 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 And the discipline and, yep. and whatever. Which is which is mm. all the ben- which mm. is all the things that aren't just investing aren't yeah, just about exactly, investing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we got off Charlie Munger, we got onto some other stuff, but let's let that lead us into our wins of the fortnight. Okay. Have you got any? Oh, I've had heaps of wins, but um I, I guess are, are you winning on the squash court? I haven't played. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. So, no, I'm not. Okay. And if I were to play, I'm sure that Are I you wouldn't. winning on the golf course? Uh, no, not winning there either. I'm uh, a... not, not winning at anything uh, outside. <laughs> so, okay, so you're <laughs> not, not on the sport. Okay. On the sporting field. Um, I guess you know the my win of the fortnight is um, I came um, across, or, or this client came across me, mm-hmm. um, is, is a person who had been to see or had spoken to eight financial planners mm-hmm. um, and his superannuation fund looking for guidance on how to structure his retirement um, assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had just gotten so bogged down in information, so he's you know, getting information from the super fund. He yep. can't give him advice, but yep. he'll give him information. Um, getting then different information from eight different financial planners who he said all drew on a whiteboard and um, confused the hell out of him. Um, and yeah, well, I must have been number nine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know why I wasn't number one, but anyway, it would have saved him a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe he had to go through that process to find his way, Steve. Um, But ultimately, I was able to sort of sit down with him and say, hey, it's really this uncomplicated. Um, Yeah, there's work to be done, but um, explain in general layman's terms what account-based pensions are and and what the rules are and, and what that means for him. So he'd become um, paralysed by analysis. Oh, paralysed, but totally paralysed. Yeah. Um, but I was able to get him into a position where he understood mm-hmm. um, and then was able to um, assist him to implement um, what he needed to implement 
which was another barrier because um, he was scared about the implementation phase. So I was able to hold, we're able to hold his hand, give him the advice, do the implementation. And now I know that he is comfortable and yep. he understands yep. and he's not stressed anymore. He can yep. just... Um, Make an informed decision. Just move forward into his retirement with the income that he, that he needs and wants to have a nice lifestyle. And he doesn't have to talk to eight or nine financial planners anymore. He's Good. He's done. Good. That's my win. Good win. Mine's not as um, theatrical as yours. Um, <laughs> Didn't think it was that theatrical. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Um, it's, you know, got to, got to meet with um, a couple, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Well, obviously it was, um, given that it's a fortnight between <laughs> wins. Um, and they were, they were, they're currently advised, um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll use that term loosely. Um, they had previously engaged a financial planner. Um, they then went and tried to engage another financial planner, um, and they ended up to us um, to also discuss um, their position and mm-hmm. whether they engage or not. Now, I haven't actually engaged yet because I've said, hey, go away, have a think about things and, you know, maybe we'll have another meeting if you want to. Um, but they left the meeting saying I, I had been able to explain more to them in, for, you know, 45 minutes. I think they said half an hour, but, you know, the meeting was, you know, 40, 45 minutes to an hour. And I've been able to explain more to them in half an hour about their, you know, their insurance, their super, um, because that's mainly what the inquiry was about. Um, then they have been able to in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, so was, that was that was time well spent. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that was quite good. And they, you know, I could tell that they, I could tell that they left the room way more informed. You know, they mm. they understood. Um, you know, although it was painful to um, pay an insurance premium, um, they understood why they're paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what they had set up, there was nothing wrong with what they had, had set up, but, you know, they just hadn't had it clearly explained to them mm-hmm. to a level that they understood why they had, yeah. uh, what they were doing. And, you know, I suspect, you know, the existing planner probably has shied away from the conversation maybe um, because, you know, mm-hmm. they, they don't want to say, hey, here's a premium and, you know, this is what it's going to cost. Rather, I sort of tipped it on its head and said, well, you know, this is why you have insurance mm-hmm. and here is the cost and it's the premium and the reality mm-hmm. is it's probably not that great. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when the win the win of the fortnight is them walking out of the room saying, you know, uh, I've been able to explain more to them in half an hour than, you know, mm-hmm. the last eight years of you know their various engagements with planners. It's interesting. We and we, you and I, had a meeting earlier today um, with a couple um, who are quite well off, um, yep. who have a self-managed super fund, mm-hmm. who have done pretty well. Yep. But uh, and they were looking for some factual information from us around mm-hmm. self-managed super funds and retirement phase, etc. Um, it was apparent that they were quite intelligent people, but there was a lot that they didn't know. Um, that they now do to some extent. Yep. There's plenty still that they don't know that they, that could still be delved into and, and understood. But um, it's just it's just interesting how people can get um, paralysed or into a routine um, and not understand that there are things they could be doing to improve their position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there often right. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. it's good to have couple, those conversations couple, with people. A couple of good wins. Now you may have heard in the media. 
that um, the current government is talking about super. Have yeah. you heard that? Oh, have I heard that, yeah, Steve? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I have. And, you know, every time I open the Australian Financial Review, there seems to be a new article that's come up about um, the government's proposals and mm. changes to superannuation so yet the, again. The big headline one is the um, increased rate of tax on super funds that have more than $3 million. So that's mm-hmm. a proposal. Um, so, and it's a, and before it's, we get delved in, mm. so Steve and I, as you, as most people will know, we don't get too bogged down in you know what the proposals are. Much mm, like we yeah. don't when the budget comes out, mm. we all, we often say it is what it is. Yeah, let's and wait and in, see where it lands until yeah. it's legislated. Mm. So you know there'll, there's lots of people in our industry um, getting into the detail, mm. you know, making interpretations. Mm. We're, we're we're not making big bold interpretations of it yet because. It's, it's just one of those things. It'll be what it'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting to see what's happening and unfolding. Yeah, and that's more about the trend and what, what they're talking about for the future. But the big headline one at the moment is this increased tax on the, what, half a percent of superannuation holders in Australia who, yeah, who have more than $3 million. Yeah, I think they said 88,000 people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're one of those 88,000 people, I guess it could be potentially of concern. But what they're talking about is, you know, taxing the portion of income um, that's generated from assets over $3 million um, at 30% instead of 15%. Mm-hmm. So the real rate of tax is probably going to end up lower than that because of various you know, imputation credits and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But um, but that's the headline and that's the one that the media seem to come down hard on and the morning shows have been grilling the treasurer <laughs> and talking about broken promises. Yeah. And, but it isn't a broken promise because they're not going to enact it until after the next election, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, very funny to watch, actually. It is a little bit funny. Um, but sort of what's been missed to some extent but in the media is the fact that you know, that's sort of... Um, off the back of um, the Albanese government's um, new consultation paper, um, seeking feedback about the benefits, um, phrasing, implementation of an objective for superannuation. Mm-hmm. So what is superannuation for? Okay. So generally people understand that it's for your retirement, mm-hmm. right? but mm-hmm. it, it hasn't been legislated that what, what exactly superannuation mm-hmm. is for. So the government is saying, well, the purpose of you know, their view is the purpose is to preserve savings to deliver income for a dignified retirement alongside government support in an equitable and sustainable way. Yes. So that's a mouthful. It is. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's the bit... <laughs> That no one's focusing on at the moment. No. But, um, so, you know, so Mr. Chalmers, the treasurer, Jim, we'll Doctor call Jim. I think it's Dr. Chalmers. No, is it? Dr. Jim? We'll call Dr. Well, Dr. Chalmers is, is stating that, you know, they want to restrict access to super early, all right? So he, he's, he's bagging the previous government for allowing people to access the super. And, and, um, and, and, I don't, I, and I personally don't think that that is a poor criticism, but in no. the light of the in light of what's unfolded, it's mm. easy to say that it with perfect hindsight. That. Because yep. if we were in a pandemic where half of the world was dead, mm. um, you probably wouldn't say that, would That's you? That's right, yeah. Um, so, to, yeah, so yeah. you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, yep. but I actually tend to agree with the Treasurer on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would in hindsight. At the time, we probably agreed with, it, with the current Treasurer because we didn't really feel that it was great for, especially young people, to be taking 20 grand out of super. Yeah. Because that 
that means a hell of a difference at the end. It does. Um, yep. Um, so, so basically, there seems to be a theme of um, not allow, not allowing people to access the super early, um, which is fine. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with that, and I'm sure you don't either. Um, the consultation paper is asking, you know, what do you see as a practical benefits um, with legislating an objective for the super? Um, does the proposed objective meet your understanding of the objective of superannuation now? Um, is your pro- proposed approach um, to enshrining the objective in legislation appropriate? What are the practical costs and benefits? So that's, you know, high level stuff and that's where the big boys and girls get involved and, and go through it. But there were some key phrases that, that were outlined and um, and one of them is preserve savings. So, um, you know, emphasising that contributions to super should only be accessed for retirement income purposes, except in exceptional circumstances. So that's interesting, because at the moment, um, once you reach retirement mm-hmm. and are able to access your super, mm-hmm. you can pull it out. You can. Mm-hmm. And you can pull it out tax-free. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're talking about retirement income purposes, so which would tend to lead you to think that they're looking to perhaps be restricting how people can take their benefits at retirement. Mm-hmm. Don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. But it's the sort of language that's being used. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be seen as a pool of money to meet other lifetime costs. Okay, so yeah. what does that mean? Well, mm. we don't know. The devil's going to be in the detail, I guess. But um, <clears throat> does that mean that you're not going to be able to pull your money out to pay your mortgage out when you retire? Yeah. Are you mm. not able to pull your money out to buy a caravan mm-hmm. or a vehicle? Yeah. Or Is know? that money going to be locked away and you have to take it as an income stream? Don't know. I mean, we don't know the answer, but that's where the language is, is leading. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe yep. it's not. I don't know. Um, Everyone will have a thought on that. The, I'm suspecting you've got a bit of a thought on it uh, that it's you know there's a new, bit of an ulterior motive in in the government's approach. Oh, I, I I just think that they're testing the waters at the moment. Yep. I think I think that the announcement around the three million dollar funds is a, a bit of a smokescreen, yep. and um, they're, they're testing the waters to see what sort of pushback there'll be against superannuation changes. Yeah. So, so, so I, I mean, you might be delving into this in a moment, Steve, but one of the things floated out there is this conversation around the Albanese government, um, you know, constructing and assisting with social housing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the idea that super funds should or could assist in that process or, you know, bridge, bridge the gap there, whatever that gap is at the moment, I'm sure there probably is one. Um, now, I, I sort of put my sceptical hat on and say, well, you know, do you open Pandora's box and give the government not just access to tax revenue through the taxation methods that they're proposing to superannuation, but they're almost garnishing um, access to the capital or, att- or what I believe they're attempting to. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and now... That, that's all, that's that's okay. So, you know, that's one thing. But the second piece of that is, well, if they start using it to, you know, invest into social housing and, you know, just reinvest as in construct, um, 
why if that was beneficial for a superannuant, so for them to invest into that scheme, why isn't it done at large scale in the private sector already? Already, yeah. yeah. And so, so, you yeah. Know, so, you know, you're talking about like the, the, the Labor government has actually stated that, um, and this is interesting language, that given super's significance as a source of capital in the economy... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an opportunity to capitalise on this by directing more superannuation investments towards areas where the best financial interests of members align with national economic priorities. Mm. So there's a word directing, you know, directing more superannuation investment. Yeah, um, I, I, I got I got big. Mm. I got I, I, so I, I don't know that. As I said, if the evidence suggested that investing into um, large scale. Uh, government infrastructure projects you know insert whatever that project is then why isn't it done you know privately why why, why isn't it already being done yeah why why isn't it already being done why why do they need to possibly garnish superannuation capital to do it and you know so I I just think people need to be very yeah so you're saying on one hand there's the smokescreen in effect of the hey let's talk about capping balances and you know making the system a little bit more equitable from a taxation perspective which hey look that's fair enough that's been happening since the Turnbull government mm-hmm. um, you know and and under Scott Morrison when he was treasurer they implemented the 1.6 million dollar caps they've yeah. changed a little bit um, you know the Albanese government suggesting a 3 million dollar cap unindexed like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of devil in the detail but it, it i would argue that you know okay fair enough but this second piece which you've yeah, well, you've drawn to our attention is is well, a little bit more ominous for me it's the more ominous and more concerning you know so the language is mm-hmm. is annoying me you know so direct. dr chalmers yeah. said direct funds but the other is you know talking about as a double dividend good results for super funds and members and good results for our nation mm-hmm particularly in areas such as affordable housing, climate, the care economy and digital. So away from the pull money out of super, well, to have superannuation used to fund these types of things. Yeah. Now, now where, where will they direct this to come from? Um, it'll be from the, the industry, industry funds, industry what funds. used to be called union funds because, you know, because um, so industry funds so there's a massive pool of money in, in your large industry funds yep. who have labour connections yep. and um, and would probably yep. be open who, to who, this yeah, yeah. Who, who also um, quite frankly have the ability to um, I'm not going to say fudge the numbers but I'm going to say create performance figures that are questionable when considered to mark to market securities. Mm. Um, so we're talking about unlisted assets, yep. and and I and I do fear that no one will ultimately benefit from things that aren't you know valued as they truly are. And the question I would say to a lot of people: How do you actually value or price or market um, government infrastructure? Hmm. Who's going to buy it? Mm-hmm. No one buys it. Yep. It's got a. It's possibly got an income stream, mm-hmm. and argue, arguably you know very low capital value and so you know how do you how do you truly when you're a superannuation member and your capital has been direct your member balance has been directed to part of the infrastructure fund of the of the of the 
super fund you with and it's and it's buying it's invested into social housing and government mm. buildings or whatever whatever the whatever they put it into how do you actually rely on the valuation that it that they've given you as actually being a true representation of what it is because as you could absolutely argue there is no market for someone to come and buy a social housing complex off a government yep. yeah absolutely could <laughs> so Anyway, I thought it was just interesting to see what's happening in the background that isn't getting all the attention at the yeah. moment and um, you know, potentially some big changes if, um, if the government can convince um, Australians to go that way. Just reading the Australian Financial Review. So overnight in the US, and I was only reading the headlines. Um, so obviously it's all unfolding you know, across a lot of Western countries. But in their pension schemes, so their state-based pension schemes, the federal government was attempting to mandate that they have to have an ESG, um, like they've got to have a social governance environmental approach to investing members' money. Like that is that is mandated onto them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of going that way in Australia, so just be a little bit aware, everyone. But the Republicans voted it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, basically said no. This is not, we, we're not. You can't do mm-hmm. this. You you can't have. Um, you can't possibly impact the performance of the individual's pension account because of some um, you know social um, you know yeah. for some social purpose within that you know within those funds. So so they've actually voted against that. Now I, I think that was saying that. Ultimately, the president has final say on it anyway. Um, but, but it's just interesting to see it unfolding. And, mm. you know, there's a very similar theme here in Australia where, you know, they're talking not about so much imposing, although they kind of already do it, a certain social governance on, on funds. And, mm. you know, it looks like a lot of the industry funds have just voluntarily picked that up in their own right. Um, whether to get some brownie points or not. <laughs> That's just me being sceptical. Mm. Um, but it's just interesting, this next step, which is, you know, they've got re- access to the tax revenue. They're now looking to get access to, to the capital, to the capital, which mm. is a, I would argue, you know, everyone needs to be on very much high alert mm. and, and say, mm, not, not sure about this. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, stuff happening in the background, be wary. I think that, um, yeah, that's the the piece that they're trying not to bring attention to at the moment. Anyway, let's move on. Okay. Aged care and preparing for the unexpected. So... Well, it won't matter when the Albanese government <laughs> no, gets you super fun no, no politics. No, <laughs> I'm, no joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm they'll, joking. They'll fund you anyway. They yeah, would have. They yeah. would have. They would have taken your super fund ballot, mm-hmm. Steve, mm-hmm. to fund you know mm-hmm. my grandparents into care or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so anyway, we're talking. We've been talking about superannuation and um, you know preparing financially for later in life. But um, you know, one of the things that, that came. I came across recently and you know, with some clients and also some articles that I've read was, you know, making sure that you are prepared not just financially, but, well, financially, but also um, for other life events um, that might occur later in life. Okay, so, you know, one of the, one of the things is around having discussions um, as a couple or mm. with your family, if you're not mm-hmm. a couple, um, around... 
you know, what happens? What do you want to happen at certain stages in life? Mm-hmm. So if you had a conversation around what you want your um, home to look like, do you want to downsize um, because you've got stairs and you want to go to something that's smaller and doesn't quite require as much maintenance? Yep. So you're on the same page about that. Yep. Um, if, if you get unwell, um, you know, God forbid, have to be placed on life support or become incapacitated. What do you want to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you can't make those decisions after the event in many cases. Um, so, yeah, if you're, you're, you know, you're on life support or you're terminally ill, um, sometimes you can't make the decisions that you would would need would want to have made. Yeah. And, and Steve, you know, and you might take the conversation here anyway, but the talk, overlaying the aged care residential aged care filter onto this um you know it's easy for people to think oh we'll make the decision when we get to that stage Mm. um but you know you you and i have seen first-hand examples of you know where people are close to retirement or have just retired and significant changes in their you know health Mm -hmm. one or for them or their or their spouse um has resulted in them Necess- and uh, you know needing to go to uh, aged care and actually you know changing their whole retirement plan entirely so so having these you know i think it's important to have these conversations early because you've got to say well you know it doesn't matter if you're retired or really old or somewhere midway like if you've severely disabled you know midway in your life you probably you, you know a lot of in a lot of instances you do actually if you require that high level of care, you're going to end up in residential aged care anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's maybe it's important to have these conversations early on, so you don't leave your loved one wondering, oh, "What do I do?" Mm-hmm. Maybe you you say, "Hey, if I lose that capacity, mm-hmm. I don't want you. I, I don't want you slaving over me. I actually want you to put me." somewhere where I'm cared for appropriately and you can comfortably know that I've made that decision with you um, before the fact. Um, yeah. You know, because exactly to your point, you don't get that opportunity after the fact. And as part of that decision-making, you know, there's research and information to be gathered so yeah. it can help take away some of the stress and unknown. So, you know, a common misconception um, these days is that, you know, to enter aged care... You have to sell your family home. Yep. You don't. No. You know, that, that's and, not the case. But, no. And you know, but you would agree. Like we don't hold ourselves out um, uh, in any stretch of the imagination as aged care specialists. But we've done. You know, we've had our finger in a couple of jobs more recently. Mm. Um, and you know, the the evidence would suggest that. You know, with, with the right guidance, it's actually not as complex as mm. people might. See on the outside, so you know, yeah, um, it is a complex system. But you know, once you've got a few heads looking into it, you can often, you know, um, alleviate the complexity associated with mm. making that next step into aged care or even considering the step in aged care. So yeah. your your point, you know, your point is, people think, oh yeah, I've got to I've got to sell everything. The government's going to get keep on my money. Um, you know, it really isn't. It really isn't as bad as maybe you might think it is um hmm. you know it's quite a generous system um, is, in yeah. fact and in fact too uh, there's not even a necessity to enter aged care uh, an aged care home because yep. there's um, care packages care packages yep. home funded government funded home care arrangements etc with the intention of the government wanting you to stay in your home for as long as possible which mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned that will be most people's intention 
Yeah. Uh, if they can and they're not a burden on their family, they will want to stay in their home. And why does the government want you to do that? Because they've done the numbers and it is more affordable for them to provide, you know, a reasonable degree of care rather than put you into a, you know, high high care, aged care facility or, you know, whatever the whatever the requirements dictate. So, yep. you know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of silver linings in the conversation and they're not as dire and, no. Um, no. you know, terrible as people might otherwise think. Absolutely. So the point there was that, you know, don't leave it until too late to have mm-hmm. these conversations. Get on the same page with your partner or, or your family or those close to you and um, then have a, have a bit of a plan in place. And, and a bit of it can be documented too. So, you know, making sure that, you know, the will's up to date. Um, that there's um, financial and medical powers of attorney yeah. in place, advanced um, care directives yeah, if required, sort of thing, or you know, know all, so. the, all those things. And and my thoughts are that it's always best to seek um, the advice of a professional estate planner, solicitor, yeah. um, to get those things. Yeah. And order. we 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 met with a local estate planning we solicitor. Yeah. Um, was it earlier in the week or oh, uh, late yeah. last week? Yeah, it was last yeah, week. Yeah, so, so that was, you know, and, and for us, I mean, obviously Steve and I have a bit of an understanding, but, you know, it's good to do a refresh and it's good to make sure that, you know, we've got our ear to the ground with, you know, professionals. But, you know, it was good for us to do that little, that little, yep, okay, cool. The, you know, we know the conversations we need to have with people, um, you know, and it's a good rejig, um, I, I guess. So anyway, don't leave it until too late. Mm-hmm. Have have the conversations. Get a plan in place, like you should for just about everything in life, yep. um, and um, ensure that uh, all the boxes are ticked. Anyway, that's us for the fortnight. Forty minutes. That's about our limit. So, it's where we end so up. We're allowed, it's uh, all we're allowed, allowed to do before uh, uh, we're cut off. Yep. Forty minutes. Um, thank you, everyone, again for listening. Uh, spread the word. Yep. Grow the movement. Leave a review, please, mm-hmm. if you, you know, like like leave, what you hear. Leave a review. Um, Ask a question. We're always happy to answer questions on the show, as people know. And uh, we'll catch up again in a fortnight. All right. See you later. Bye.